Like, that's it, right? That's why we do this, and that's why Mark's phone goes off. Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof, now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, Welcome to the Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock. I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. You can also find our podcast on the website whiskey.buzz. If you want another song on and on goes the ring of the bell. Off we go. Welcome to Whiskey Topic. Uh, we are here today with Nicholas Villalon, and he is the brand ambassador for Highland Park and McAllen. Um, in the now you have a you have a chemistry, biochemistry background? What's your... Uh, microbiology. Microbiology. I knew it was something I did not know about, <laughs> as far as I knew. You know, it's one of those that everybody can like thinks they're all the same kind of th- deal. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Industrial microbiology. And how did you... Um, uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about uh, other stuff, but how did you bring that into whiskey? Like, how did that mm. trek happen? It, it, it's funny because it's not... That wasn't the first thought, right? Uh, back when I cho- decided to go in science, uh, m- must have been 11 years old, so whiskey was not in my mind at the time. And uh, actually, it was, it, it was all about curing cancer. You know how some kids want to be doctors for, to save the world, and some people want to be firemen, and, and like everybody has those great plans of yeah. having that great job that makes them uh, rewarded in society. For me, it was, it, it, cancer was the big thing. I'd lost my granddad from cancer, and so I wanted to make sure that uh, I could help out in the future. Priorities kind of changed over the years, and, and when I got my first class of industrial microbiology, which was looking at all the things uh, fermented and then distilled, uh, whether it's the production you know, of cheeses, wine, beer, and all that, that's where I really fell in love with it. I already had the passion for the whiskey it had mm-hmm. started, and I'm like, great, now I need to get to know how it's made. Yeah. And, and from there on, it was just, you know, I peeked into the rabbit hole, fell in it, and I'm, I just keep falling from there on. Uh, it's been a number of years now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nicholas, you, you love your whiskey. Um, we, we were, you were at the New Brunswick Spirits Show, and um, we'll talk a little about this, because Nicholas spent the whole month of November was sober for you, yep. which is a big deal, because you literally, your job is to drink every day, like four to five days a week. You're out at events drinking Always responsibly. Responsibly. But, but yes. But you're always <laughs> <having> <laughs> sips of everything. Sampling. You know? right, exactly. Yes. Um, and no matter how, you know, you just, you just are. Um, and so I, I knew you loved whiskey when we were all, you stayed true, you stayed sober the, the whole month. Um, and we were pouring out Highland Park 25, which, you know, again, you're the Highland Park <laughs> brand ambassador. I assume this is not as rare for you as it is for many people. You'd be surprised. Uh, you'd be surprised. It is not the kind of bottle you just come across every right. single That's day, fair. whether fair. or not you're the ambassador. And uh, it just so happens that it, it's my dessert Highland whiskey, too. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just sitting there at the bar. They're, they pull out this bottle of Highland Park 25, oh. which, oh. by the way, they, they sold the double at face value, $32 right. for a, a double. Oh. And I'm just there, right in the middle of my sober November, and cannot have a single gram. <gasps> and you were legitimately angry. Like, you looked I angry. Was. You I walked was. away from the table. And to, <laughs> to, to, to add insult to injury, it was my boss paying for them. So oh, that wasn't coming out of my pocket. No. <laughs> I just want to say thank you for those. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's not many things better than the Highland Park 25, oh. but a free Highland Park 25, that beats it. <laughs> and I couldn't oh. enjoy it. <laughs> Oh, that hurts. Wow, good for you. Yeah. That's that is the ultimate test though. Yeah. That is it. That is they literally dangled right in front of yeah. your face. Yeah, looking back at 
I cannot say that I would do that again. Really? <laughs> not in November. Not in November. No. I'm thinking um, 2016, I'll just do like January or February, get it out of the way for the year, yes. and yeah. then just move on. Yes. There you go. We should say Matt Jones is also here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although, working, but providing commentary. <laughs> Although next year's a, a leap year, so I guess I'm uh, adding one day on there. <laughs> you can tell that someone like, you, you really think about every single day that you're not going to be drinking whiskey <laughs> that's true well, there's, there's a, there's true. A, i mean again we're, we've always said this we're not doctors um we still don't know doctor will come on this podcast as much as we've asked uh, but, no, uh, nobody but wants to align to themselves with us. A break. when you're drinking professionally like many of us here do um even when we're having sips we're still having yeah. a, uh consuming a bit of booze uh, whole idea is to give your liver a break, let everything kind of recover. Um, I like the trick that you did because for me, social drinking would be a problem. I'm like, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. quitting drinking, not a problem uh, so much as anything else. But then there's the professional side of it. Okay, whiskey reviews. Then there's the side socially, you want to have at least a drink yeah. with everybody else, uh, even if you're nursing it for the night. Uh, but you had a great solution to this. Uh, I don't know who, was it your idea or somebody else's? Uh... I, I think it's something that came from the years of bartending. Yeah. Uh, when you are when you don't want to be drinking, but you're still going to be seen with a glass in your hand. It's a good way to avoid, you know, receiving drinks while you're working. Also a great way of just making sure that your career lasts longer than, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a decade. Mm-hmm. Maybe add another decade on there by stopping once a, right. <laughs> once a year. So what I do is just take soda water, add a few dashes of bitter in there. Yeah. So it gives it that dry finish, lots of spicy complexity, mm-hmm. and it makes for something that's not as sweet as you know a ginger ale or, or a Pepsi or a Coke or something like that. And it's just something you can easily drink on, stay hydrated, which yeah. is always good. And it looks like a drink, so no one really bothers you, yeah. asking yeah. you, "Hey, you're not drinking? Yeah. What's going on?" Shots, shots, shots. Yeah. yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty cool <laughs> to talk about the fact that you're not drinking for the first like two weeks, but then when you're Towards the end, yeah. you're kind of sick of explaining to everybody why you're not drinking and all that mm-hmm. uh, on, on a daily basis. But yeah, I look very happy because we, by coincidence, we met up at a bar. Uh, you walked into the bar where Jamie and I were at, and yeah. on the first day of yeah, that's Rush right, yeah. you'd broken. That that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the day. I was happy to be yeah, to be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gave Nicholas a big hug. I'm like, you're back. You're back. Welcome <laughs> back. You're not going to be angry at us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people, like probably myself included, will do a nice sober January. I mean, if you're hibernating sort of in the middle of, you know, some of the worst weather of the year, January is not a terrible month to do it. Also, New Year's resolutions. You know, well, we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about um, on this podcast because uh, McAllen uh, is famous for going all no age statements. So we're going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that later on. Absolutely. Um, but um, you, you first bribed us with some booze here so that yeah. we're not as hard on you. So <laughs> yes. that. Um, tell us a little bit of what you brought uh, here. So let's we'll, we'll go to drink number one. Yeah. So drink number one is uh, the McAllen Rare Cask. That's our newest addition to the core range of the McAllen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great example of what the McAllen has been doing. Uh, very, it's a very big in- innovation for us to move all non-age specific uh, for our core range, especially given uh, the fact that we launched that in Canada and France at first. Mm-hmm. So it's a very good way for us to put forward the, the, the cask management policies that we use at the distillery and which I truly believe are what makes us so special in the whiskey industry today. Uh, uh, the way we make the the whiskey, it goes uh, and make the whiskey barrels for that matter. It goes from acorn to final barrel. I mean, the the whiskey journey for a barrel starts a hundred years ago when the, that oak tree starts to grow because we make every single barrels ourselves. 
Now that's unheard of in mm-hmm. in the Scotch industry. Usually people will resort to uh, a widely available ex bourbon barrel, which is the standard today. Yeah, it's very cheap, very easy to get your hands on. Mm-hmm. It's also a good way of making sure that those barrels don't only get used once and then once get ever. wasted. Right? right? There's plenty of of flavor left in there. But um, for the McAllen, and same thing goes for Highland Park. Uh, we always stay true to that that uh, heritage that we have of using the sherry casks mm-hmm. now to make sure that we make the best whiskey just because we know how much of that flavor comes from the barrel upwards of 60 percent uh, we want to make sure that we have the best barrel and so we make them ourselves to our own specification in Yerez de Vasa in the south of Spain so sourcing the wood either from northern misery or northern space uh, Spain uh, shipping it to southern Spain we're going to age it, air dry it for two years, just to make sure that the staves are nice and dry, assemble the, the barrel, and then age sherry in there for another two to four years. Wow. So that's like six years went by and not a single drop of whiskey has been made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you think about all the hard work that goes into making those barrels, speaking about what that barrel brings to the whiskey makes a lot more sense for us than talking only about how long the liquid spent in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because from one year to the other, what you're going to get from from that barrel is going to be different anyways. Whether you're using, you know, American oak sherry cask or Spanish oak sherry cask, you're not going to get the same whiskey today that you did 20 years ago. And yeah. and we have we have this wonderful chance of having a master blender that is a pure genius. Bob Delgarno has been with us for 17 years now, and and we really want to showcase what he does. Uh, he's got a beautiful beautiful nose and palate to make whiskeys that are, you know, a standard in the industry today. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, and so this is an, a really interesting point because none of your your super special editions, none of them have eight statements on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do still sell eight statement whiskey in like U.S. Yeah, we still other- make all the whiskeys, right? Yeah. We haven't taken anything off the line of production. Yeah. Uh, the the fine oak series with the ten to fifteen still being made. The sherry cask series with the twelve and the eighteen still being made as well. Yeah. Uh, we're lucky enough in Canada, about 80% of the population lives within an hour and a half from the United States. So it's not really hard to go get yourself a bottle, right? Yeah. <laughs> I myself just like to go to Premier Store in Buffalo. You know, I drive an hour and a half, go over there, grab my bottles at 18. Yeah. Uh, the store manager always asks me to bring him some Sienna. <laughs> right. <laughs> so funny. And, uh, and then I come back, just declare my, my duties and... They never made me pay yet. Yeah. They're just, uh, you, you can go right ahead. <laughs> it's a lot of work for them. Right. Lots of paperwork for a yeah, couple of I, bottles. So they don't really mind if you were there for an hour or 24 hour. Yeah. You know, can't guarantee that no one's ever going to be paying duties. But yeah. and I, But I think, you know, I think McAllen's taken the most hit, not necessarily on the kind of Sienna Ruby line mm-hmm. versus like the 18. Like I think, you know, flavor wise, yeah. very compare. I think where you guys have always taken a hit was more on the McAllen 10 and the cast strength kind of being two more affordable McAllens that yeah. people aren't aren't quite in that range, aren't quite as happy with that range. Yeah, you know, there's no way around it. McAllen is definitely a luxury brand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, and it's what makes that its reputation, right? Uh, it transcended the sole title of whiskey in the sense that even if you don't like whiskeys in general and that McAllen is the only brand you, you, you drink, you love it for what it is, but also for what it represents. Yeah. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you can think of, of other stuff like, you know, Rolex watches or Rolls Royce cars. They're all those brands that makes a very high quality product. You yeah. know, ne- no one would ever be mad at getting gifted one of those. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's true that not everybody can afford it. But then again, I think that's part of the beauties of single malt scotch. The scarcity and the rarity of the product will command a higher price. So when you 
finally you manage to get your hands on a bottle, it's just that much more valuable to you. It becomes more than just a price point, essentially. Yeah, I think that's, that's what I see, especially on, on Twitter a lot, is there is that battle between kind of old school whiskey drinkers that have been drinking whiskey for 30 years and are used to it being a consumable product. And then there's the luxury side of that. And it's definitely there. We're seeing it in a lot of collectible bottles. We're seeing that in McAllen. We're seeing that in Belvini. Like all these, all the bigger bands, you know, Johnny Walker's, like everybody's now releasing this big collectible release. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. here you go, you know, uh, pay for it. Um, the McAllen, I was fortunate to do the, the, your higher end lineup. And yeah. it's like remarkably amazing. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. This is the ones I like line. to call uh, historical whiskeys. Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. I, I did bring one. It's going to be our second dram today. Yes. today but, yes. um, yeah, to, to your point, exactly. Uh, of course there's, there's whiskeys coming out that are going to be very expensive out of price for that matter. Funny enough though, those are the products that we cannot keep on shelves. You know, uh, McAllen M, most expensive whiskey sold in the world last year, when we get the more affordable release, which goes at $5,000 a bottle, it's sold two weeks before it arrives in Canada, sold out. Yeah. So it's, yes, they're very expensive, but the market is there. Uh, and, and you know what? To be honest, like talking about McAllen M, that's going to be our second whiskey. I call it historical whiskey for a reason. There, there, there's seven barrels in there, all handpicked over two years by our master blender, and uh, the first one in there dates back to 1940 when McAllen closed for Second World War. So there's pre-World War II whiskeys in there. Mm -hmm. This is not a barrel you can re reproduce. Uh, it, it, is, it is a unique, it is a piece of history in a bottle. Now, uh, if you ask me to put a price point on that, I'd be, I'd be very hard pressed to do so. How can you put a price on, on history? And, and, and so, yeah, uh, I think the prices are high sometimes, but sometimes the whiskey commands that price as well. Yeah, and I, and I think you'd also argue that nobody else, uh, that I think you would also argue that not everybody appreciates that necessarily um, as far as price point. But I think yeah. this, you know, like you have one here, pre-World War II, one post-World War II. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned one one was uh, peated. Yeah, uh, well, the, the first five barrels that go into making it were, were peated whiskeys because uh, coal and, and wood were being used, you, you know, for war purposes or rebuilding uh, uh, Scotland purposes. So you cannot get, get them uh, easily. So in order for us to malt our barley, we had to use peat for the first times in McCallan history. Yeah. So only for five years we've done that and, and never again after that. So having five of those barrels in there is quite special. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's whiskey influenced by history rather than, than you know a history made up for a whiskey. This is actually something that you just pick out of our, uh, of our warehouses and that was basically forgotten there for a number of years and now just happened to be beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Now, you, you know the A statements of all seven barrels that have gone into the McAllen yeah. M, uh, but there's no A statement on the bottle. No, no A statement on the yeah. bottle. And, and, you know, you drink the whiskey and... I dare you to, to tell me that it needs an H statement. <laughs> you know, Bob, yeah. Bob, I, I met Bob in 2011. My first time I was visiting the, the McAllen distillery and uh, I was coming in uh, a, a younger guy, kind of new still to the, the, the scotch industry. I'd been drinking scotch for maybe 10 years at that point. And uh, I had this vision for me, H statement were, were also my standard. Like yeah. you're, you're never going to hear me say that, you know, someone who, who, pays attention to age statement is doing it wrong because if it's what you've been brought up to know about whiskey of course that's going to be your standard yeah. uh and and when things are going to get moved around you have to find new new basis uh for you to be uh, to relate to now when i met bob 
he told me three things that completely changed my view about Scotch whiskey and allowed me to understand better what happens in the barrel. Uh, one thing that, by the way, science has still, has still a very hard time explaining exactly what happens inside that barrel. First thing he told me is, uh, he says, if you walk into an orchard and you find that apple tree with that big red apple on a branch, what are you going to do? You're going to pick it. You're going to eat it. It's, it's there. It's ready. He says, whiskey works the same way. You don't let whiskey in a barrel if it's ready. You take it out and you bottle it because it's not going to get any better. It might get worse with time. Yeah. Same goes with the apple. You're not going to, you know, let the apple on the branch just so you're able to say you have a one-year-old apple. That would make no sense. <laughs> you're going to be like, it's August. I don't pick <laughs> apples in August. <laughs> right. apple. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's ready when it's ready. I don't uh, know when apples are ready, by the way. I just picked August and I have no idea. Second, uh, well, it's, it's usually more around September and October. See, I, I guess <laughs> He's right. He's right. Uh, second thing he, he said, he said, there's years where you can make a better 12 years old if I put 10-year-old in it because my 10-year-old is exceptional. Uh, you mentioned uh, the cast strength from the McAllen, you know, one of the most sought-after whiskey in the world today that we stopped producing in 2011. Uh, it's a great example of what happens when you bottle whiskey when it's ready because keep in mind this is our first not a specific whiskey we put out yeah. um, McAllen uh, cast drink didn't have an age statement on there and it's a cast drink whiskey so you want that full proof on air yeah. which means you're going to use old, uh, young whiskeys yeah. you know it would be eight-year-old whiskey never more than 11 years old you, you know so you when you sold it for so little money too though. yeah it well was it was the, it, came, it went out of market at a hundred bucks so wow. okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So it's not cheap by any means. You it know? started cheaper though. I'm pretty oh sure. yeah, obviously. Every every <laughs> single whiskey was super cheap. Like That's when right. I started working in a liquor board, uh, now twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, uh, you could buy a bottle of single malt for you know twenty seven ninety nine. And that, that's, <laughs> that's really true. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Um, I, I I like this a lot. I think the um, the concepts are very valid as far as supply demand, luxury, non luxury. Um, Whiskey is not a necess you know, it's not a necessity. We can all live without whiskey. I'd hate a world. Nicholas lived a month without whiskey and yeah. he yeah. the world around him. <laughs> um, so we're not saying it's a pleasant world. Um, it never comes down to, you know, buying milk or whiskey, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I, I do think I, uh, what I appreciate the most is like, you know, going in a higher range too, like uh, Ruby, you know, 100% single fill, yep. a share a cast. It's um, all about cask management. Yeah. And that's the third thing thing that Bob told me is mm -hmm. it's you know what do you think takes more work when you make whiskey the liquid inside the bottle or the piece of paper with a number that we stick on front of that bottle yeah obviously it's the whiskey that takes more time so mm -hmm. for him it's really hard when he knows that some people will stop at you know a, a number that's on a on a, on a mm -hmm. label mm -hmm. rather than trying to whiskey so he, 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 when he told me what would happen if we took out all the labels on every single bottle of single malt in the world yeah. You'd have mm -hmm. to taste it and decide with your palate what you liked. And I think that's what we really need to keep in mind. It only comes down to what's inside the bottle. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and yeah. Once, you, once you keep that in mind, you also need to know that there's not a single scotch distillery out there that makes whiskey that's pleasing for everybody. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. I think everybody has heard about, you know, all those whiskey accolades that, that come out in the medias and, and mm -hmm. not everyone agrees with all of them. <laughs> so it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I have about. No idea. That's <laughs> what never are you talking on about? This podcast. Never any and so uh, and so there are. What I'm, the point I'm trying to make with this is saying there are people who, who whose palate won't be uh, satisfied with a new line of McAllen. Yeah. That's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
just what? makes more for those of us who like it. <laughs> well, and what I thought was really interesting was the sort of, and it speaks to sort of consistency wise, is that uh, the McCallum went so far as to name the whiskeys after the color, yeah. which is like whole like that's kind of ballsy to it be is. honest to to, <laughs> to to have that much faith that you can say you know this is this is not only a consistent tasting product but i'm we're and we're not adding anything no exactly here. natural and color the, exactly so to have you know the lineup like sort yeah. of named after colors like whew. yeah well i'm happy you're talking about this because after our, our cask management policies this is the second thing that that made mccallan stand out in the industry of scotch is where even if it's legal to add caramel coloring to your whiskey we've never done it and never will mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of adds another complication to making whiskey right yeah. uh, another just uh, uh, difficulty for our master blender to recreate the same looking smelling, smelling tasting, tasting whiskey year after year with different ingredients it's like making yeah. the same spaghetti sauce but every time you use different ingredients. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's to not like, easy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And just like put a label on it that tells you exactly yeah. that. And it's like, you it know. It is very similar because yeah. you're going to go to the grocery store. You're going to feel those, the, the tomatoes and get more the, acidic, the, the more, more, more sweet. The, the sweet. And you're trying to put that together. And yeah. you're trying to get the same ratios. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's a great point. I'm about to try the M. The M? Have yeah. you tried that one? So seven barrels in there. Oldest one dates back to 1940. After oh that, it's 1943. Gosh. There's then a lot have, of sweetness on the nose. Yeah, you get all those dried fruit. You get yeah. that toffee. Uh, obviously, the sherry cask has made its influence on that one. Yeah. Now, back when uh, today, McCallan uses uh, the 500 liter sherry butts for uh, for aging most of its whiskeys. Now, the oldest the oldest five barrels in there, they're so old they're actually hogshead, right? 200 liter mm -hmm. barrels, so wow. a lot more influence from the wood in there. But at this point, the alcohol is so well integrated. Youngest whiskey oh. you're gonna find in McCallan M is 1991. So not a young whiskey by any yeah, yeah. and that just that that's another point that I always like to touch upon when we're talking about non specific whiskey and and that goes for every single distillery. Like in many things, people are going to use the non age specific uh, specific trend to take advantage of the whiskey industry. Some yeah. people will do it to really showcase their crafts, yeah. and I do believe that that's what we do at the McCallum. Mm -hmm. There's no young whiskeys that go into making any of our scotches. A whiskey at the McCallum we know our weather so well that. We don't even look at a barrel once the whiskey gets in there for eight years minimum. Yeah. And then that's when we start, you know, tracking it. It's not going to be ready 99% of the time. So usually you're going to find whiskeys that are 10 years and, old, and older starting at our entry level with McAllen Gold. Yeah. Um, but there are some distilleries who, are, who will use that to sell you younger whiskeys at a premium price. That's for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and right, I agree. And I think that's where the noise statement gets a bad rep is exactly there. The, we definitely, you know, I mean, uh, Talisker for me is a great example. Their first non-noise statement whiskey from Talisker was terrible. Their, the, the next one was great. Um, but the first one was like, uh, why are you trying to sell this? <laughs> um, but there's, there's other examples of the industry shifting that way. Uh, but McAllen really did, like, Jamie, you said it right, super ballsy. Like, as many years ago as they were just like, ah, screw H statements, we're just going to make colors. And, <laughs> Which is, yeah, and yeah. I can't get over it. Move, that, that's um, not exactly it what happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're paraphrasing here. <laughs> that, is big, oh, yeah. that is not the this, conversation this, at the boardroom no, table. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that, that's the fun part is that the non H statement thing for McAllen didn't happen in a boardroom. Yeah. It happened in a warehouse. Yes. Because this is this is Bob Delgarno's legacy. 
right? He's been our master blender for 17 years now. He worked on this for 13 years. Yeah. So way before single malts were, you know, as popular as they are today. Yeah. A lot of people are talking about uh, distilleries moving to non-specific whiskeys because issue of stocks. Mm-hmm. I, not going to lie, there are stresses on stocks. Yeah. There are for every single distillery out there. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about 115 distilleries providing for the world. Like how much whiskey can you make? Even the biggest distillery has an output for single malt that's just over 6 million liters. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we do a batching, you, you know, you talked about small batch and, uh, and, and single cask on, on a previous podcast. You know, for us, a regular vatting is going to be 30 to 50 barrels. Yeah. That would be extremely small batch by yeah. any means for yes. any other distilleries in the world. But yeah. for us, that's regular stuff. Yeah. We're talking about handcrafting. It doesn't get a lot more handcrafted in, in Scotch whiskey than every single barrel being nosed by the master blender and yeah. him signing off on every single bottle of Scotch that comes yeah. out of the, 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 the distillery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he has a yep. team that assembles the barrel for him, but he's the last nose to say this, wow. this makes the cut. This goes to balling. Yeah. Wow. So, and that's true for, for all single malts. Even the biggest single mm-hmm. malt producer would be small batch by most of other whiskey standards. I've, I always yeah. say I've yet to have a bad single malt. I've always finished mm-hmm. my class if right. it was a single malt in there. <laughs> <laughs> Some are good and others are great and others are excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a hard time to say this is bad whiskey. Uh, we, we very much appreciate you bringing these, uh, these two. Oh the rare gosh. cast is... Um, it's available at the LCBO. It's, it's Absolutely. kind of distributed. Mm-hmm. Is it in the U.S. as well? Yeah, uh, it was launched last year in the U.S. Yeah, yeah l- launched this year in Canada. Goes for four hundred dollars a bottle. So composed of you know the top one percent of the barrels at the Macallan. Mm-hmm. So when Bob picks the the, the barrels for his regular bottling, mm-hmm. every once in a while he just finds one of those very exceptional barrels yeah. that has too much complexity to be used in in a regular bottling. Puts that aside, labels it as a rare cask, and by year end we have you know eighteen hundred to twenty six hundred of those barrels left. And that, that's the ones we pick from to make rare cask. It, it reminds me of like a very settled ruby where ruby kind of is very forward on flavor. This yeah. was, the, the wood oak really comes through and kind of sells the sweetness. Yeah, not as much on the sherry side of, of things. Yeah. The, the oakiness really comes through differently. Yeah. This, this one is more about, you know, refinement and, and complexity yeah. and flavors where you can really tell every single thing you're, you're tasting. It makes yeah. for a very good experience. Blew my mind the first time I tried yeah. uh, rare cask where it has ruby has a bit more of that big, bold approach. Where it's all spices and it's that mm-hmm. big Spanish oak like yes. coming through a sherry bomb. Sherry, that sherry yeah, exactly. Bomb. Yeah. Rare yeah. cask is not as sherry bomb. It's a bit more of an embodiment of, of the image of the Macallan. I find mm-hmm. so all about sophistication and refinement and complexity, long finish, texture. Beautiful, beautiful drama. And uh, the Macallan is well, I don't know, stupidly expensive. <laughs> yeah, Macallan M. Uh, so this is the, the the last installment in our master series for the eighteen twenty four series. It comes with in a, a handmade. Lightly Cristal Decanter. It's beautiful. Uh, goes for $5,000 a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and I just finished it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a trend. This is a continued trend. Jamie you know, finishes. Me all finishing the... Uh, uh, cool, uh, together. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll quote Maddie it's Jones right. on that one yeah. at, at Maker's Market. It looks expensive and it is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that is uh, the high-low... Wow, uh, that was the finish on that is uh, very unique. Yeah, it's, yeah, everlasting. Wow. It's a, I love how you take a sip of that one and it, it sits on your tongue. Oh my it's gosh. not going anywhere, right? No. At this point, it's almost 
it almost feels like a solid when you take a sip. Yeah. And then every time you go back to your glass, it just changes and yeah. changes and changes. I had like a little drop that fell on my finger and I was like, I'm just going to lick that right <laughs> over here. It was, it's, wow. Well, I guess, wow. I guess what we're saying is if you have the money, you're not going to be disappointed. Oh, absolutely. Oh uh, if you don't have the money, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's, you just have to make friends with the brand ambassador. <laughs> 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 now, now, don't make it sound like I just walk around with a bottle of that in no, my bag at all times. No, no I, we know get, how special this gonna is. going to get mugged in the streets. That's right. That's right. That's right. No, we know how special it this is, is. And thank yeah. you for bringing it to us today. It's my pleasure. Wow. It was, Thanks for having me wow. over. Wow. Oh, my right, gosh. Jamie, have, have I grilled Nicholas enough about noise statement whiskey? Can we move no, on to you did. You did great. I, uh, I, I expected say, you to go on more of a rant about the cast strength one. I really did because for the I amount know, of I've, like... I know like obsessing over that cast strength one that you do right you now. actually only sorrow. touched on it twice yeah. which i'm really proud of you yeah. for you know if you want to go on a rant you, yeah. you go ahead i'll probably join you on that rant you know i, I miss my cast strength and, uh, when i heard it was going out of market i actually bought a case good for you and uh, i only have it. one bottle left now so that's oh my yeah, gosh four well, years later so i'm sure oh mark's gonna invite himself over for some <laughs> yeah we'll oh. we'll have him we'll have it in uh, at some point the, um, yeah that's so nice i had it at new brunswick day i saw the photo I was, like, I was like, oh, like, thank goodness, someone. I remember it. Just exactly. Yeah, I, I was it. like, someone has uh, finally given Mark his cast strength. Yep. Maybe he'll shut up about it. <laughs> you know, the the thing with a cast strength is is when when your output of whiskey is, is as low as as ours. Uh, we're talking about, you know, we produce maybe four millions, four and a half million liters a year of whiskey. Yeah. But McAllen only used sixteen percent of its cut. Yes. Yeah. So our output is like one point two million liters. Yes. And we're the world's second best-selling single malt right. in the world. So, You're you know, <laughs> making really? a cast strength is not necessarily the best business decision that is uh, you, fair. you can That's make. Fair. And in order for yeah. us to make, to make equally beautiful whiskeys and, and be able to keep producing them, it's very important that we use that liquid, right? And that you can stretch out that liquid as much as you can. Um, you know, it's never a, really a question of, of, of money, Ironically enough, when it comes to the to the McAllen, because Edrington, the company that owns it, is a charity, right? Yeah. So there's once we pay the bill, everything mm -hmm. else goes to charity. Last year, we gave 35 million British pounds to to charity. Yeah, explain oh, us to so yeah. right. So give us that, that overview of that. Yeah, well, uh, Edrington is is this very small Scottish company. It it owns the McAllen. It, they used to be called the Lowland Distillers, mm -hmm. uh, the Highland Distillers. Sorry, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they've been. Uh, they're, they're privately owned by a trust that's called the Robertson Trust in, in Scotland. And so the, the, the trust being a trust, yeah. <laughs> all of the leftover profit money goes to charity. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you, you guys own McAllen, Highland Park. Highland Park, Park Regal uh, Rum from the Dominican Republic, yeah. Famous Grouse, yeah. best-selling whiskey in the UK for the past 34 years, mm -hmm. uh, Cuddy Sark, one of our more recent uh, acquisition, and Snow Leopard Vodka from Poland, which is not available in, uh, in Canada. Now, not only does the, the uh, Edrington give away its profit, but every single one of its distilleries has uh, a charitable aspect to it. Hmm. Like Brugal has the 10th biggest charity in all of the Caribbeans mm -hmm. wow. uh, with the, the Brugal Foundation. Uh, they basically rebuilt Dominican Republic from the mm -hmm. ground up over the past 20 years. Yeah. You, you go to the Dominican Republic, you get out of your resort, all the street signs are Brugal logos because that means they rebuilt that, oh. uh, that street. Uh, public school, uh, baseball field, mm -hmm. 
Dominican Republic's second best export. If you're a Jays fan, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well done. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, moving along, I'm really curious to go because I've already had a sip of my Highland Park. Yeah. Um, what, what what do we have in our glass for number three? You know, I figured I'd bring some stuff that you cannot get anymore. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we love Park, that. Just because uh, it, it seems to be a, a, a recurring theme in, in whiskeys in general. Not I won't pretend it's just for our distilleries. I think single malts, uh, you're getting more and more of that. And there's that thing where people want what they can't have. I was just talking about how that, that store manager in the U.S. wants me to bring him some Sienna when I come over because they don't have it in the U.S. Yeah. And they want it just as much as everybody wants, you know, their 18 years old here in Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they can still get their 18 That's years right. old. So I brought Highland Park 15 that was taken out of the Canadian market uh, maybe three or four years ago now. Four years ago more more likely. And I, I brought uh, a special edition, the St. Magnus, uh, which is uh, uh, the special editions of Highland Park that we produced right before the Valhalla series. Yeah. So honoring the, uh, the Magnus brothers, uh, the saints from the High Park Church where, uh, that stood where the Highland Park distillery is today. Uh, so speaking mm -hmm. of Highland Park 15 first, mm -hmm. uh, Classic expression of Highland Park uses only sherry cask once again. As I said earlier, we have our own cooperage, so we take full advantage of that. Uh, but this one, instead of using more Spanish oak, uses more American oak. Yeah. So it mm. uses that tighter grain uh, to give mm -hmm. it a lot more vanilla and citruses, mm -hmm. giving you a, a lighter, brighter type of spirit rather than something that's going to be all about the spices and the, the dried fruit with that very comforting and warming effect to it. Uh, one would call it is it, it, summer Highland Park. Uh, yeah. If I may. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can see uh, that. It's only available in Canada and a few other markets around the world, the 15. Uh, the 15 is not available in Canada anymore. anymore. So now but it's in it the was. U.S. Yeah, it was. Oh, exactly. Now it's in the U.S. U.S. and the U.K. It started in Canada. I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, I'm so, I mean, you think I ran about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> a new rant. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> no, no, because Highland Park 15 like, started in Canada and like Finland yeah. or somewhere. I can't remember. Yeah, we were in the Nordic countries, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but now it... Uh, the UK and the US is where you're going to be available to find it uh, widely available <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at we, your we finger right Park. now Nick <laughs> yes I'm looking you have a ring it's yeah very my Highland nice. Park uh, ring tell me about the ring I, I wish I could <laughs> I was I could, trying I was trying I could tell you but you know I how the rest of that, <laughs> that sentence goes <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was trying secret society <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I, I tried my best. I thought I could sneak it in there and just be like, oh, you know. But, you know, you there's know. there's the, the the Freemasons, and then right above that, there's the uh, the Highland Park people. <laughs> <laughs> no. But getting back to the whiskey. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, Highland Park 15. Uh, one of my 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 beloved expressions of Highland Park. Uh, this being said, I. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Spanish oak expressions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, the 18 years old is uh, almost as close as you can get to perfection when it comes to single malt, because I just like the style of Highland Park, how they make their, their balanced whiskeys, how they, uh, they, find, they found that perfect equilibrium be between you know, the, the slight smokiness mm -hmm. that they produced themselves by hand malting their barley. You know, we were talking about the craftsmanship that goes into making scotch earlier. I think Highland Park is one of the best example of such a distillery. It's been around since 1798, making it one of the oldest distilleries in all of Scotland. And they still have one of the lowest debit of, of, of spirit, right? 800 yeah. liters a year, 800,000 yeah. liters a year. Uh, very, very small and mm -hmm. niche product. And 
You know, you talk about Highland Park here in Canada, everybody knows about it. Yeah. But we're one sure. of the only markets in the world that knows so much about it. it's Highland Park. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's a style that we like a lot. Um, just so many people with Orkney descent here in Canada. It's crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, actually, historically, there was a high percentage of the people who built Nova Scotia that, that hailed from uh, the Orkney Islands. Gotcha. So you're going to find a lot okay. of people that have some origins uh, anchored in that very small remote island. And when I say remote, I mean, on most Scotland maps, you don't even see the Orkney Islands. They're taken <laughs> off completely. Super unique. Uh, for, the, for the past 25 years, we were the only active distillery there and making a unique whiskey, therefore, mm -hmm. thanks to our weather. Yeah. Right. It, it rains about 180 days a year. Yeah. It's uh, on average. Our daily average for wind is 80 miles an hour. Oh, boy. So nothing really grows higher than five, <laughs> five foot tall in, in the Orkney Islands. And that goes for vegetation and people alike. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, beautiful part of the world. Uh, it, it's not the place you go if you want to get a tan. That's uh, the least mm -hmm. I nope. can say. But it makes some darn good whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Highland Park is an old classic favorite of mine yeah. in, in every yeah. way since the word. Um, the 15 is a great expression for me because it's, uh, like you said, it's not a sherry uh, forward um, and still smoky, um, just a nice, I think that's what I, because that's what I'm missing, like a summer smoky. A summer whiskey. whiskey. Summer smoky whiskey, right? A summer smoky yeah. whiskey. And that's what Highland Park 15. Yeah. Pop or of Highland citrus. Park yeah. Highland Park 10. Well, 10. Similar. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, Highland Park 10 that was launched as an exclusive in Canada two mm -hmm. years ago. It was made for that. Yeah. So my predecessor, my predecessor you, you guys met Mark, right? Mark Leverdier. Mm -hmm. He might have, yeah. yeah. I want to say hi to Mark and Chana, by the way. <laughs> They're probably listening. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's the one who came up with the idea with, with our master blender, Max yeah. McFarlane. Yeah. Mark used the Highland Park 15 as his summer whiskey, and then it went out of market because the Mark was looking for something more towards the Spanish oak. Yeah. Uh, today we're seeing you know, the, the palate of the average uh, whiskey drinker in Canada go back to that lighter, fresher style of whiskey. And so he... he made a trip to Scotland himself, made his way to, to Orkney Island, met with Max, and he said, you know, I need my, my smoky summer whiskey. That's exactly right. what he said. Right. <laughs> and hey. a few years after that, uh, Highland Park 10 was born. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, Highland Park 10 for me, it's probably my day-to-day -day dram, like the yeah. one my hands reach towards the most in my bar. Yeah. Just because knowing what goes into it, when we stopped making 15 for Canada, by mistake, some of the barrels that went into it kept being put aside for our market. Yeah. So when Max mm. went to the warehouse to start making 10, he found those barrels that would have made 15-year-old. And that's what goes uh, into, into making 10. 10. Yeah. So you nice. have very high-quality liquid going in, in a $60 bottle of, of scotch, right? Yeah. Um, beautiful dram as well, yeah. My, definitely my summer smoky whiskey. <laughs> it is the exact opposite of the other bottle that you brought, yeah. which is Absolutely. Cherry forward. <laughs> cherry forward. Absolutely. Uh, Highland Park St. Magnus. Uh, not exactly a cash drink, but it is bottled at high proof, 55%. Uh, now, this oh, is, wow, that's uh, nice. yeah, that's Ooh, a beautiful that's lovely. Uh, homage, if I may, to the High Park land. So uh, the estate where Highland Park finds itself. So this one is made of 100% barleys from the Orkney Islands. Hmm. So usually Highland Park, for its core range, yeah. uses 20% of its own barley that they that they hand malt themselves with peat. Mm -hmm. uh, the other 80% comes from the Simpsons family, just like most of everybody the... Else, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, almost everybody. <laughs> almost, almost everybody, everybody yeah. yeah. The, those who don't use the lowland malting company, right? Yeah. So, but uh, this one is 100% uh, 
uh, malted barley by hand at the distillery that comes from our own fields. Yeah. Giving it that full Highland Park style to it. Just taking what everybody loves of Highland Park and, and mm. um, making it explode inside the bottle. Yeah. Wow. All yeah. Spanish oak on that one, too. Oh. Beautiful, that's, beautiful whiskey. Oh, that's really nice. You know what? I'm smelling it right now. I was kind of afraid because I've had that mm. bottle for a couple of years now. Oh, unopened man. for a while but uh it's the still it, it, tobacco-y leathery, oh yeah, yeah yeah just all that beautifulness to it and um, for like a a bourbon drinker like me that that heat is something that you sort of miss a little bit in, mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. have single malts um you can find them in like a thor you know you, yeah. you you find them here and there and of course i'm sure i've never had the McAllen cast drink but i'm sure <laughs> as much as i've heard about it <laughs> okay oh see brand ambassadors is friends. very very nice it's just love i just highly recommend it um but this has that it's just that warmth yeah. that you get from a little bit of a higher proof that mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that spice comes through there and yeah. like it's just uh, it really appeals to someone who drinks a lot of bourbon, like that that sort of. I, I, and I've yeah. met a lot of bourbon drinkers who are like bourbon to the very end, not a fan of single malt. I believe that if they tried some of these so higher proof single malt, yeah. something with a little Especially that. Especially something sherry to have absolutely. that hint of sweetness. I'm going to look across the table right now at Matt Jones and say <laughs> there's a lot of bourbon lovers that just find what they're looking for in single malts when it comes to sherry cask. Yes. Yeah. Just because of that extra little hint of sweetness. Absolutely. That can be added, but still easily uh, balanceable in your yep. whiskey if, if it's made properly. And absolutely. Uh, this is what for both our distilleries has made our reputation, having those those beautiful, beautiful uh, casks. Actually, we have a man, Stuart McPherson, his job is to look over at every single cask coming out of the cooperage and ensuring that they meet uh, our, our, our specification. Um, his yeah. title is Master of Wood. That's what his card says. <laughs> he's he's uh, Edrington's Master of Wood. And, uh, Jamie's maturely giggling right now. <laughs> Very yeah. Well, when, when, when we're going to we're gonna sit him down here uh, in January, and we're going to see if she can hold it together. This is coming from... anything you'd like to know. The, and I'm giggling, but <laughs> when I do like tastings, like, you know, and I have to say uncut and unfiltered, and dudes are like, pardon me? Un- un- what? Oh, yeah. and, or, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, I'm just like, oh, and, I hate and then and then people so sort much. of are like, what? With double what? And then, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm so irritated. But then there I go, laughing when you said master of what? You're one of those dudes. Well, you know, I've always said that whiskey was a very sensual thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh. That is true. But this is very. Is this is very appealing thank to me yeah, it's my thank pleasure. you this was special. exceptional yeah. yes so they they made three out of that uh that collection this is uh the first uh, the second one that came out uh the first one was also a tw- no actually this is the first one that came out second one was a 16 year old mm-hmm. uh once again all malted barley more american oak yeah uh this is all spanish oak the other one is all american oak and then we have the earl hakon which is the third one an 18 year old half and half both types of wood Mm-hmm. Uh, American oak and Spanish oak. So that's similar again. to the Valhalla series as well. The same idea. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the Valhalla series. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, when it comes down to making our whiskeys, since we make all the barrels, it's all about a selection of both American oak and Spanish oak, and finding the balance for mm-hmm. a precise flavor profile. Uh, but that's putting it very simply, right? If yeah. we could go down into the breakdown of you know 
uh, first fill Spanish Oak Sherry cast uh, season with Pedro Jimenez or Gonzalez B as Oloroso Sherry or this type mm -hmm. of other Sherry's, uh, we have upwards of 50 types of barrel at, at the, uh, in our warehouses that coming out of the, uh, the cooperage because we deal with all those Sherry bodegas and every single Sherry gives you a different flavor profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's something that we're very proud of and that we're starting to put forward even more. McCallum is right now coming out with a new edition that's called McCallum edition number one. And uh, it, it's all about transparency. So on the bottle, you can see every single type of cask that was used, either wow. first fill, second fill, uh, yeah. which type of oak, which bodegas uh, the sherry was produced at, and uh, it's going to be broken down. So the first one, edition number one, is going to be eight different casks. Are you allowed to do that with the SWA? So there's association there's no thing? mention of age. Gotcha. You're right. Okay. That's yeah. how the ton gets around. We've, that too, uh, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, we've we, we, we hopefully uh, thankfully we've learned from what happened in, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. just a few weeks ago, uh, but we're definitely you know in in the same team as these guys trying to put forward the. Uh, the transparency yeah. of what mm -hmm. goes into making our, our scotch mm -hmm. as much as possible. Now, it wouldn't make any sense for us to necessarily put the exact age of the barrel because as we've touched upon during mm -hmm. the podcast, it does it really matter? Like, th is that what's going to define yeah. your whiskey? Of course not. Like, yeah. if the whiskey is ready in that barrel, that's what you need. Mm -hmm. Now, once you know you like it and you know which type of, of flavor profile you're looking for, knowing which type of barrel aged the whiskey is going to become a lot more relevant. Yeah. Now, is there a lot of education for the average consumer? Absolutely. Am I mad? No, because that's why I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think that there there is that move for, towards openness because, yeah, before we didn't have it because consumers didn't care. They're like, okay, yeah. age statement, 12 years, five, 15 years, 18 years. Yeah. Um, now, but consumers do know more about whiskey Absolutely. today than Especially they did 10 years in Canada. Ago. Um, yeah, they just they just know more, and so now that openness is becoming yeah. more important. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, and I that's think a great it just point. like as soon as you've tasted, you know, two or or four or a hundred twelve years old, and they all taste different. Right. That's when you start, you know, thinking, yeah, maybe the twelve years old is not really what makes my whiskey. <laughs> We're coming right. to think about it, yeah. and and the younger the, the younger whiskey always very important. It's a backbone to your backbone to your scotch, but the older whiskeys is really what gives it its character. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why. Scotch connoisseurs like Highland Park and McAllen so much is because they know that the, we have a lot of old stocks at the distillery. Uh, McAllen has 230,000 barrels at the distillery. We have some old stock and mm -hmm. we put it in our bottle. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the color in Ruby. Yeah. You don't yeah. get that from a three-year-old no, whiskey. No, no, exactly. <laughs> right, we, we, exactly. We didn't really talk about this uh, earlier, but like, right, in scotch, you can add a bit of caramel. Yeah, I think 3.03% is the latest uh, agreed that's a, upon. That's a lot of, that's yeah. a lot of caramel. It's, it's, especially yeah. if you've seen and tasted, and, and well, it doesn't taste much, but if you've seen E1050, uh, E1050A, yeah. what mm -hmm. it does to E150A, what it does to liquid, yeah. it's, it's insane. It's insane. Half a mm -hmm. drop in a, uh, a liter of water yeah. Almost makes it turn black. Wow. Wow. It is dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's insanely mm -hmm. dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and whiskey uh, reviewers will argue, uh, Jim Murray, not to mention him, Jim Murray again, but he, he'll argue that the, the caramel will actually. I didn't block. realize we mentioned him at all. <laughs> I don't think we did, Mark. <laughs> not this podcast. I'm just saying from previous <laughs> podcasts. But like, but he, he'd make the argument that like it'll it'll block your your receptors like that. It, it's it's thick enough that it, like as you're enjoying whiskey, if you're doing multiple tastings, it's actually gonna block kind of how much you can yeah. taste. That was his big complaint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as as how it impacts your palate directly, I I, I can't say I've had like 
you know, for me to be comfortable with making a statement yeah, like that, I have to, here, I have here, to I drink know. like yeah. uh, solutions of E10, uh, 150A and just exactly. see how right. much it affects my taste. But for me, it's just everything starts through the eyes. Yeah. And, and I'm going to use Brugal as an example. Uh, also naturally made product, no additives in Brugal. And a lot of people will uh, tell me, you know, oh, Brugal tasted different when I was in Dominican Republic enjoying it at my resort. Yeah. And that's not because the liquid is different. It's the same right. exact liquid. Yeah. But if you have, you know, you're two feet on a beach in the sand and it's 30 degrees out there. Yeah. Of course, it's going to taste different. The context is Context different. is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, yeah. all that, it, it, all our senses makes us aware of that, uh, that, that context. So if your eyes look at the liquid and it's darker and you've had a dark whiskey that had some, you know, a uh, very particular flavor profile, I'm pretty damn sure that your, your brain is going to make you feel like you're tasting those aromas in there yeah. and maybe changing your perception. Mm -hmm. I, I always like to, when I try new whiskeys, I always use uh, a completely pitch black glass, yeah. not to get my, my opinion on the liquid hmm. biased yeah, by the I don't, the I don't look at color, honestly. I don't. Yeah. Whenever I do tasting with the whiskey, I, I just do not look, I just ignore it entirely. Yeah. I, I, I can't. Exactly. You, you can't. It's been finished in something, it's yeah. been colored. You just don't want to look at color at all. No, exactly. And, uh, and I think unless a, uh, a distillery and, and we have the chance of, of being able to boast that uh, uh, that proudly is unless we, you, you pride yourself on making naturally colored whiskeys, it's irre irrelevant to mm -hmm. what you're going to get on your final product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, for, for the McAllen and especially with the 1824 series, that was the whole point of moving to color. Because once you know that it's all sherry cask and it's all natural color, just yeah. a quick glance at the liquid and you know what you can expect in right. terms of flavor profile. Uh, Nicholas, we're running out of time. Um, I just want to, I want you to explain to me how a barrel is a semi-permeable membrane. <laughs> semi-permeable membrane. Yeah. Uh, All right, I got it right. It's been a lot of whiskey today. It's, uh, that, that's getting back to St. John's, and, and you can tell I was doing Sober November if we were having that discussion at that time of the night. We were that's having that discussion. hilarious. <laughs> uh, it actually, it, it stemmed from a conversation I had with Matt Jones uh. where he was telling me about how um, how the alcohol, the ABV, concentrates in the the whiskey barrels uh, in bourbon. As, as you get yeah, as you get higher in the warehouses, it gets warmer, it gets uh, uh, drier. Exactly. So you're going to lose more water than than alcohol. Now, the principle of di distillation is that alcohol is going to evaporate before water, right? Mm -hmm. Because it has a lower uh, uh, point of uh, evaporation. But it just turns out that the wood, uh, the way it's made, so the cells that constitute the wood will filter out, uh, will block out the, uh, or block in, I should say, the alcohol inside the barrel as it is a bigger molecule than, than water. Uh, I was quite surprised by that, but it's the, the sheer fact that it's very dry up there allows more of the water to go out of the barrel. But I think Kentucky might be one of the only weather in the world where you can get that. Yeah, I was getting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, just uh, talking about Brugal once again, it's about as warm as the hottest days of the the, the year in Dominican Republic as it is yeah. in Kentucky, right? But yeah. this this is year round. Like average temperature is right. thir thirty two degrees this right. year. Right. But it's super humid too. It's like eighty five eighty five percent humidity. Yeah. So water it gets blocked inside the barrel, so you lose more alcohol. alcohol. So. Yeah, very happy angels in the, the Dominican Republic. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I think we can all agree for on sure. that. Uh, yeah, I, I did some research because, as I said earlier, the science has a hard time exactly explaining everything that happens inside of a barrel. Yeah. Uh, I actually had to refer to a, uh, a paper 
on barrel aging vinegars in order to find that information. <laughs> uh, vinegars, yeah, because it's a, it's an acid, right? It's, a, yeah. it's a, an alcohol, so very similar to, uh, to, to ethanol. So it, it acts in a very similar way. So this is where I found that information, but uh, I've pushed my research even further and I, I, maybe India has a, a similar Right. Yeah. That makes sense. The climate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Similar situation as uh, as bourbon. Yeah. yeah. Poor well, Nicholas. He was he was sober during this discussion. For <laughs> <laughs> him, because you're like I forgot what you said. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what I think is the really the fifth time around, I went like, yeah. Let, let okay, me just send you a few. A, a I'll few just send you articles. an email about it. <laughs> Yikes. But it, but it's so funny because like when you're talking about consumers wanting to know information, I'm, I'm pouring whiskey this whole month and, uh, these are actually the questions that people mm -hmm. want to know. Yeah. Um, I've been quizzed on this like three times yeah. by people yeah. that aren't even, uh, like whiskey nerds. People yeah. just want to know why, you know, in one place you lose more alcohol yeah. and like, I love and it. You, I love and, it. Yeah. and then you're yeah. like, well, I have about 30 seconds to explain this to you. And I don't know if I can. And one thing that fascinates me is that today I'm going to get that question. Yeah. As many times, you know, by a, a 55 year old banker, a 27 year old uh, girl that, that works, you know, in a bar. And then um, a, a 31 year old guy coming out of school. Yeah. It's great. Like completely, completely different de demographic but they all relate to their whiskeys. Yeah. That's and that's, fantastic. I think that's the beauty of, of that passion that we all share yeah. is that it really, everybody can find his own whiskey, right? Yeah. Keep saying that's, whiskey people are pretty awesome. That <laughs> is just like, yeah. but isn't that the most beautiful thought to end on though? Like that's it, right? That's why we do this. And that's why Mark's phone goes off. <laughs> Sorry. I meant to turn it off. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah. I think that's like, I think that's it. I think yeah. that sums up the last like couple hours for us and why we're all here because it's kind of a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Bringing people together. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have yeah. thought just a few years ago that you can make a living from, from whiskey. And, and whiskey. <laughs> Should have seen my mom's face when I told her I was becoming <laughs> a professional bartender after, you know, four years and a half in university. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a bartender for a living. <laughs> I literally had a uh, airport limo driver say, why do you write about whiskey? You should write wine. Wine is great. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets you wine. You idiot. Like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> the guy knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Nicholas, thank Nicholas. you. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thank Always you a so pleasure. much. It was Always so great. Always looking forward to next time.